welcome to the Portland Christian Center podcast. This week, we will hear from Pastor Bill Wilson on It Pays to Tithe. Now here is Pastor Bill. I believe God is a God of miracles. Amen. Amen. Phil Ra- Bill Rasmussen, one of the members of this church for many, many years, he had, and I had a conversation this week. He was diagnosed with cancer and given five to six months to live. And this week, that same doctor told him he was cancer-free. Cancer-free. Isn't that amazing? He'll be looking forward to coming and joining us in a few weeks here on a Sunday in a service, and uh, we rejoice in that. Um, Thank you for your continued prayers. I hit the road again this week. Uh, Joy and I are going to be praying with pastors on the coast. We start in Seaside, go to Lincoln City. Oh, and then we are down in uh, Florence and then down to North Bend, places that I didn't used to know existed. But we gather, and um, already this week we've been in southern Oregon, uh, praying with pastors, and up into central Oregon. And we will do that for the next two weeks, praying with pastors. And last Sunday night, we kicked off our prayer emphasis by gathering, and there were probably close to 150 to 175 If you want to be evangelistic, there were thousands of people who came for prayer. And God spoke a word to Portland Christian Center. He said, you've been in grief. You've been in grief for a variety of reasons. And the cloud of grief is lifting. The cloud of grief is lifting. And I sense it this morning. I sense it in what God's doing in your life and in my life. And we rejoice in that. And we continue to pray for our our board and uh, the search committee for our new lead pastor. This is a very important week. They're actually having some in-person interviews, and uh, that is significant in the life of a pastoral selection. So uh, just uh, keep them in your prayers this week as they they gather together. I'm in Malachi chapter 3. I'm really pumped about this message. It's going to help everyone here, no matter where you've come from, what your background is. Malachi chapter 3, and I'm going to read some of the most famous verses in all of the book of Malachi, and perhaps in the uh, Old Testament, in some cases, these verses stand out as classic verses that help us get how to live in the blessing of God. How many of you want to live in the blessing of God? You want God's smile on your face? Whatever you touch, you want the favor of God? So do I. And there are ways in which that can happen. So listen very carefully what I'm going to say. You're going to hear a a remarkable testimony this morning. I'm going to give you a little history that perhaps many of you weren't aware of about uh, Portland Christian Center and some of the legacy that is here that will help you get uh, a reminder of the faithfulness of God. So just be uh, aware. Take notes, if you will. Uh, There's a Bible in front of you if you don't have one with you. Uh, Malachi chapter Three is where I'm going to read. Now, when I was 12 years old, I jumped on my blue Hercules bike and got my first real job. My good, good friend, Jesse Ortiz, came to me and said, hey, Bill, I don't want to be the paper boy in our neighborhood anymore. Would you like the job? I'll recommend you. And at 12 years old, I was recommended by Jesse, my good friend, and um, uh, I got, got the job of being a paper boy. I delivered the 12 block radius of College Street neighborhood and I learned a lot of things about uh, paper routes. I, I, I uh, had 40 plus expectant customers who wanted their papers delivered in a certain way at a certain place at a certain time. One lady sat on her porch waiting for me every day. That meant when she was on the porch, whether it was the back porch or the front porch, Uh, She lived on the corner. That meant I got off my bike and I walked the paper up to her and handed it to her. And she always handed me a cookie back. Wow, that was like a win for me. And then if she wasn't there, I was to put the paper on the porch for this dear, dear lady. I worked two hours every day, seven days a week. And I figured it out this week. I made 25 cents an hour. 25 cents. You know, when you're 12 years old and you're making about $15 a month, you are in a, a you're, you feel like you're the richest person ever. You can actually put reflectors on your bike. Uh, 
It was big money. I learned how to fold papers, deliver in the rain. I learned how to shoot rubber bands and hit people. I learned how to handle grumpy customers. I learned how to avoid angry dogs that tried to bite my legs. Uh, I also learned responsibility, reliability, resourcefulness, and of course, the reward of work. But the greatest lesson I ever learned at 12 years old was taught to me by my dad. He said something to me that changed the course of my life, and I'll never forget it. Would you like to know? Yeah. I'll wait till the end and tell you. No. He said, he said these words, Bill, it pays to tithe. It pays to tithe. At 12 years old, I learned a principle that has gotten me through all of these years later. I calculated how many years from that point to this point, and I'm not telling you how many, but it was a lot. So the book of Malachi is full of life lessons. It's one of those books that perhaps you thought was just a short prophetic book that meant something to an Old Testament group of people, but the reality is it's full of life lessons, and although it's short, it's very, very powerful. And if you read through the book of Malachi, as we have been, and don't miss the next two weeks, don't miss next week or the following week, you're going to find some great truths on how to live your life and to live forward in the blessing of God. There's not a person here, if you or I to just go one-on-one, -on -one, I'd say, do you want God to bless you? You would say, absolutely. Do you need God to bless you? More than ever do I need God to bless me. The book of Malachi is full of that. Look at verse chapter three, verse six. I, the Lord, it says, do not change. Now, when you read the Bible, you can ask this question of yourself. What does this tell me about God? I, the Lord, do not change. Jesus said that he would be the same. The Gospels tell us that in his life. And then later, the writer says that he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So the God that created the universe is the same God that's here this morning in this service. The God that met the needs of the children of Israel out in the wilderness is the same God that is here this morning to meet your need. The God that parted the waters, the God that defeated armies, the God that created something out of nothing, the God that made provision available, the God who promised to forgive, and he's the same yesterday, today. And when we read this, it says, I, the Lord, do not change. I'd underscore that. So you, the descendants, now listen to this. So you, the descendants of Jacob, are my decree, are not, are not destroyed. God said, I haven't changed because I promised I wouldn't destroy you. However, ever since the time of your ancestors, you have turned away from my decrees and have not kept them. Return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. Here's another thing about reading the Bible. When you read the Bible, you ask yourself, what does this tell me about God? And what does it tell me about myself? And when I'm reading, sometimes I realize that I have left God out. Follow me now. I have left God out of some of the areas of my life. And I'm reading this, and there is a sense of conviction. Now, we're all looking for the comfort verses, especially when we're walking through the valley of the shadow of death or we've lost something very precious to us. We love that, or our energy is kind of sapped because of life itself or that uh, that uh, person in front of me driving too slow or that uh, checkout person who, uh, like yesterday, why, I got in the wrong line. You know what I'm saying? I thought this line's faster than that line only to discover that the lady couldn't remember her Fred Meyer number and then the credit card she tried didn't work so she had, it. I'm thinking, she only has three things. Why did I get in this line? You know, those are the moments when you want comfort from Scripture, right? But you also read the Bible and say, Wilson, you need to learn to be more patient. You need to be more gracious. You need to understand that this lady's got a lot going on in her life. You see? So when you're reading the Bible, you ask yourself, what should I read about myself? And here God says very clearly, ever since the time of your ancestors, you have turned away from my decrees. You've gone the opposite way. And he says, and have not kept them. Return to me. Here's an invitation. 
Return to me and I will return to you. That's grace. Goes on to say, but you ask, how are we to return? This is very interesting. Some of you have not considered this. He says, how are you going to return? Oftentimes we say, well, I'll just say, Lord, I'm coming back to you. He He takes it beyond just words. He says, will a mere mortal rob God? He's, he's explaining to them, and yet you rob me. But I know what you're thinking. You're saying, well, how in the world have we robbed you? And then he says, you have robbed me in tithes and offerings. Ooh. Now follow me in this text. Your future, your future needs to know how to handle money. And God in Malachi chapter 3 of all places tells us how to live forward in the blessing of God when it comes to finance. Here's a spiritual principle for blessing. God's people got messed up in the way they were handling the resources that God had given them and the money. They were spiritually and monetarily bankrupt. Uh, Their life accounts did not look good. (laughs) They were messed up in handling money. You've ever had a problem with money? Has anybody ever had a problem with money here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, we've all had problems with money. Money can be a problem. And money can mess up your life. So there there are three who are interested in your money. You want to know who they are? Number one is you are interested in your money. You say, well, I'm not all that worried about money. I'm sorry, I don't believe you. I, I think you are concerned about your money. Then you say, well, when I come to church, all the pastor talks about is money. Pastor Rick gets up here, wants an offering, and Pastor Bill gets up here, and he's talking about money again, and every time I go to church, every time I turn on and listen online, they're talking about money. Well, that's not true. That's not true. But I'm, I'm standing here as from 12 years old to this day here to tell you that money makes a big difference in your life, and I think we're all interested in what resources we have and how we handle our money. There's a second one that's interested, and God's interested in your money. He's very interested. But wait, he's not interested because he wants your money. He doesn't need your money. Write down Psalm 50. Psalm 50 verses 10 and 12. This is what Psalm 50, 10 and 12 says. For all the animals of the forest are mine. And then you've heard this before. I own a cattle on a thousand hills. If you ever said, I wish he'd sell a few and then send me the money, all right? He says, I have owned the, now listen to the context of this. He says, I know every bird on the mountains and all the animals of the field are mine. I, I, if I were hungry, he said, if God says, if I were hungry, I would not tell you for the world is mine and all that's in it. God doesn't need your money, but he, listen, he does want to bless your life. He does want to pour his blessing and favor on your life. God's interested in that. And God's not interested in your money, but he is interested in your heart. And what you're going to discover, and maybe you already know this, this is a reminder for some of us and a revelation for others, is that God is after your heart because if he has your heart, you are in a position to be blessed in various ways. And he will bless you. It's a spiritual principle that's mentioned. In fact, of the 38 parables, 16 of those parables have to do with resource and finance and stewardship. There are 500 verses on the subject of faith. We all say faith is important. We like to hear sermons on faith to boost our faith. There are 500 verses, at least 500, on prayer, on how to pray and the value of prayer. And there's some classic prayers in Scripture that you can pray Uh, Do you know that there are 2,000 verses in the Bible that have to do with stewardship and money and the way that we handle? God's interested in the resources of your life. He's interested in you living forward in blessing. And thirdly, not only are you interested, God's interested, but the devil's interested in your money. The devil's interested. Put down Proverbs 6, verses 10 through 11. A little sleep. Listen now, this is going to convict some of you. A little sleep, a little slumber, not in church. A little folding of the hands to rest. And poverty will come on you like a thief and scarcity like an armed man. Remember, the devil is a liar. He's a thief. 
He wants you to be depleted of any resources. He wants you to live in poverty. He wants you to live in financial bondage. He wants you to love money. Listen, he wants you to love money so it controls your life. He wants you to live under a curse. He wants you to live in bondage. He wants you to live in bankruptcy. He wants you to live in the streets. He wants you to live in a tent. He wants you to be on drugs. He wants to destroy your life. He wants every relationship you've ever had to be broken. He wants you to look in the mirror and say, I'm a nothing, I'm a nobody. That's his way. And he uses our finances oftentimes to destroy people. Do you know that the average person who wins the lottery is broke in four years? Do you know that some of the most per, uh, uh, professional people who get paid big money and play in the Super Bowl, as soon as they leave uh, their, their employment as a professional sports person, Within five years, they will have lost much of it, and I've met some of them, and I can't believe that where they are. What happened? The devil wanted to destroy them, and they took the bait, and that's his desire. This is why when you read these passages of Scripture, remember, there's a spiritual principle here. It's not about necessarily your wallet. It's about your heart, and it's about God dealing with it. Listen to Proverbs 15 and verse 6. The house of the righteous contains great treasure, but the income of the wicked brings them trouble. I talked to my brother who is a bass player. He's from Ukraine. And he's got family in Ukraine. And if you're listening to the news, you know there's issues in Ukraine. The world's watching this. I said, what's the issue? You know what he said? Money. Money. That's the issue. It's not about taking over people's homes. It's about money. And every great conflict in the world today is driven by money. All the poverty, all of the homelessness in our cities, and all of this that you see, you can't, you can't believe what's happened in some streets of our communities and in your neighborhoods. It's all driven by money. Politics driven by money. All of these things, you know, we've, we've given our children uh, all this debt and our grandchildren. You know, the average American today in America owes 90 thousand dollars in debt in consumer debt we've created a love for money that's the devil driving all of that are you with me so there's a spiritual principle here and the church should get a hold of this and allow God to bless us and he's calling out the children of Israel God's people look at verse number seven return to me and I will return to you says the Lord Almighty but you ask how are we to return you, you ask, how are we to return? Will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you've robbed me. But you ask, how are we robbing God? In tithes and offerings. Financial bondage is a spiritual problem because you end up robbing God by not tithing. Look at verse 9. You are under a curse, it says. This is a spiritual principle we're talking about now. Your whole nation, because you are robbing me. And I would say, boldly without reservation, as a pastor, that many people wrestle with the issues of bondage financially because they have failed to follow God's directive. So there's a spiritual principle. And there's a specific pattern, a specific pattern for blessing. Look at verse 10. So he, that's the problem. Now we see the pattern of blessing. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this. Everybody say that with me. Test me in this. I'll say more about that in a minute. Says the Lord Almighty. And see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will, be no, be, will not be room enough to store it. Hmm. So the big question this morning for you, look up here at this face God made, is the best he could do on August 22nd that year. So here is the big question. Are you a tither? Every deacon that's name is brought forth is being asked that by Bill Wilson. Are you a tither? Every credentialed minister that I deal with, are you a tither? Why? Because if you're not, you're in financial bondage. Simple. You may make a million dollars a year, 
but you're in financial bondage if you're not tithing. Malachi 3.10, okay, you've heard this. We've used it at offering times. Bring the whole tithe to the storehouse. So one question people says, what does tithe mean? Well, the actual meaning of tithe is 10%. 10%. So 10 is a number in the Bible that always is related to testing. Testing. The Ten Commandments were a test to the children of Israel, and they're a test to us. The Ten Plagues were a test to Pharaoh. When it talks about 10%, it is a test of my faith and trust in God. Can I trust God by giving what he uh, deserves and what he owns and what's due him? 10% of whatever comes my way financially. It's a test. Tithing's a test. I've been tested many times. There are many times I've argued a little bit with myself about that principle my dad taught me when I was 12 years old. Lord, I really need this. And so what happens is I give what's left over and the blessing of God can't do that. It's the 10%. And so tithing is a test. You can take all the freedom, financial freedom classes you want. You can, uh, you can be a CPA. You can get a degree in financing. But right here will help you in your financial life the rest of your life. And that is if you want the blessing of God. This is not a burden now. Please understand. I'm not burdening you. I'm, some of you are convicted right now. I know you are. And some of you are going to get saved this morning. I know you will. It always happens when we talk about tithing. Look at Leviticus 27.30. A tithe of everything from the land, whether grain from the soil or fruit from trees, belongs to the Lord. It is holy to the Lord. It's holy. The tithe is holy. When I have my envelope here that I'm going to put in the offering, when I have that, I sense that I'm doing something holy to the Lord. I'm honoring him and I'm saying, Lord, I want to live in the blessing of God and not live in a curse. I don't want to rob God. Amen. Amen. Nobody wants to rob God. You'd be better off robbing a bank. Now I'm not suggesting it. I heard Bill Wilson say we should go rob the banks. No, I'm just saying it'd be better off to rob a bank than rob God. I'll tell you right now. So here's the deal. People say, and I've heard this, well, isn't tithing like an Old Testament under the law principle? I've heard people even teach on that approach. Here's my, my perception, no. Because tithing was started even before the Mosaic law. Even before Moses declared this in the Mosaic law of tithing. This was, uh, this was uh, a truth. And there are certain biblical principles that stay with you. The Bible in the Old Testament says you shouldn't commit adultery. So now I'm a New Testament believer and I, well, I don't have to do that anymore. I'm a New Testament. No, that doesn't work. In fact, I wouldn't be here today. Joy would have killed me already. And that's a law too. So, that, so no, you know, that's not true. All of this goes, there are principles that go through the New Testament. In fact, as you read through, this is why Paul said what he said in 1 Corinthians, hundreds of years later, on the verse six, or chapter 16, verse 2. On the first day of every week, each of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with the income. Save it up so that when I come, no collection will have to be made. So he's saying the same thing in the New Testament believers. He's saying... Hey, church, on the first day of the week. So they were to bring the tithe in the Old Testament to the storehouse, which was the temple. We as New Testament believers bring it to the church for the work of God to further it. And tithing, tithing is leading us to the pattern of blessing in our lives. Bring the whole tithe, it says. You see, it pays to tithe. And verse number 10, it says, test me in this, says the Lord Almighty. Now, this is the only place in all of the Bible where you hear those words. God says, hey, test me on this. Put me to the test. If you tithe, see the blessing of the Lord. So there's three things that I'll just leave with you this morning in these final moments that we have. One is you can count on God to renew your faith when you tithe. You can count on God to renew your faith when you tithe. Verse number 10. See if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven 
and pour out so much blessing that you will have not have a room enough for it. So here is the renewal of your faith. As you give, your faith grows. You with me now? Lord, give me more faith. So here's the action. I tithe and my faith is renewed. It's strengthened. And he uses these picture terms. He said he'll open up the floodgates of heaven. So the floodgates were so important for crops in this point of the floodgates. If you were to go to Southern Oregon, for example, down in the, uh, the Klamath Falls Valley there where they've had a lot of water issues, floodgates are a big deal. And there are arguments over who gets what water. Is this our water? Is this California's water? Those, those farmers will tell you floodgates are a big deal because when you open up the floodgates, then our crops can receive the blessing of water. And so there, there's a picture here that's given to us. When you tithe you bring, and you bring your offerings, when you are generous, heaven opens up to you in a way that builds your faith and you see things happen. I'll give you one biblical example. There was a widow, a young woman who lost her husband and they were in a drought and she had one son and she was out collecting uh, some uh, sticks to build a fire so she could cook what she would think was her last meal. When the man of God, Elijah, you can read about this in the Old Testament, there was a man by the name of Elijah and God had used him in a mighty way and brought him to this woman of Zarephath and she, he saw what she was doing and he said, hey, would you cook me a meal? And she said, well, I only have enough meal and oil uh, to, uh, for myself and my son and we're gonna eat it and then we're gonna die because there's no other resources. We have no social security, we have no uh, government assistance, we have nobody helping us out, no relatives, anything. This is it. And God said, tell her to make that meal for you. It's an act of faith. And the Bible says she did. She took the meal she had and the oil in the jar. She made that cake, gave it to the prophet, and guess what? She never ran out of flour and she never ran out of oil during the whole drought season, which was for several years. Isn't that amazing? I have seen God do that in various ways in my life and perhaps you have as well. It builds our faith to say, I trust God because I know he's gonna come through for me. And in our desperation sometimes, we tend to pull that back, but put down this verse, Philippians 4:19, and my God will meet all of your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. Bulletin here, he has all the resources you'll ever need. You don't have to be anxious. So some of you right now are at a critical time financially in your life. It hasn't turned out like you planned. I'm telling you that if you will tithe whatever blessing and uh, increase that God gives you, he will make sure you have a story to tell of how he took care of all your needs. He will do that. You will be surprised. You will write the story. Malachi 3.11 gives us a second point, and that point is you can count on God to rebuke your foes. Not only to renew your faith, but to rebuke your foes. Look at verse number 11. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops. Now, 100 years ago, 85% of Americans lived in rural America. That's changed dramatically. So this talk here of pests and crops and all that, for many of us here in Portland don't, you know, we, yeah, my tomato plant out in the back kind of got attacked this summer. You know, that's about it. I want you to get the big picture of this because he's speaking, he's saying, as we tithe, God will rebuke your foes. I'm going to tell you a story. This year, this year, the Ruick Farm, the Ruick Farm was designated, or last year I should say, as a century farm in Oregon. Five generations ago, there was a mom Ruick and a dad Ruick, and they had nine kids, and they lived out in Shoals, which if you're familiar with the areas south, east, southwest, I guess, of the Beaverton area. It's not an incorporated area, but they had a, a farm there. 
and they primarily farmed filberts. That's the French name for hazelnuts. So when you travel the rest of the world, people don't like the French, so they call them hazelnuts, but here we call them filberts, all right? And they had acres of filbert trees. They just celebrated 100 years, a century-old farm. What was the key to their success? They piled all nine of their kids in church, into their car and drove to church, which was on the east side, this church, and were part of the original family. You know them, Ed. You know, remember mom and pop, Ruick. They brought their kids, and they made sure. They didn't miss a service. There was no excuse. Well, mom, I don't want to go today. Or, you know, it's hard on us. They came back and forth. Sunday morning, Sunday night, midweek, and they ran this farm. They made a decision to honor the Lord with their tithe. One year, there was the eastern, uh, the eastern plight that came through this valley. And all of the farmers with uh, th these trees, these hazelnut or filbert trees, suffered great damage. Marv Ruick confirmed with me, who attends church here, and by the way, at one time, there were well over 200 people that were Ruicks in this church. You never talked about a Ruick member because you were probably talking to their cousin. I remember one Sunday they had a family reunion. That whole section over there was all Ruicks, so I was very kind that day. One thing I want to say about them, and, and many of you are connected. I don't need you to raise your hand, but that, was, that family has been some of the most gracious, faithful people in this church's history, this legacy family, the Ruick family. Always loved their pastor, always supported them, even though some of us didn't make the right decisions at times. They always were supportive. The plague came through, the plight came through. Marv said, we went out, we trimmed our trees back, and the next year, when other farmers were pulling out their trees that died, we had a bumper crop. Isn't that amazing? It goes right back here to this verse. You can count on God to rebuke your foes. You say, well, I don't grow filberts. The farm is still there. I don't grow filberts. You're a school teacher. God will help rebuke your foes. You're a scientist. You're a, a checkout person at a store. You, you are a professional of some sort. You're a doctor. You're a mechanic. You're a builder. You're an accountant. Whatever it is, when you tithe, God has promised that he will help you. And your clothes will last longer. Your cars will last longer. Your house will last longer. You'll be healthier because the Lord promises to rebuke your foes. Does that make sense? Are you with me? It pays to tithe. You can count on God to restore your fruitfulness. Look at what it says. Not only to renew your faith, rebuke your foes, but to restore your fruitfulness in life. Malachi 3.11. And the vines in your field will not cast their fruit. In other words, they will not be premature. They will not abort the fruit, says the Lord Almighty. They will not cast their fruit. God promises a fruitful life, and this is it. Whether you're a millionaire or you're, you're not, I want to tell you right now, you can go a lot further in life by living on 90% and honoring the Lord than you could if you were making 125% more than you make right now. Let me say that again, because I should have got a big amen on this. You can get a lot further in life living on 90% and honoring God than if you made 125% more and you didn't honor the Lord. I'm just telling you. And some of you business people could come up and tell of moments in time, and there's so many stories that go through my mind, and Joy said, don't tell so many stories. So I'm not going to tell you all the stories of God's provision. But I want to just say, as an elder of this church and a veteran of faith since I was 12 about tithing, I have seen God provide supernatural ways over and over again and making people's lives that should have been fruitless, fruitful to the glory of God. Now, I'm not saying that if you tithe, you'll be wealthy. That's not a... Uh, uh, that kind of theology floats around a little bit, name it and claim it stuff. But I am telling you that God will provide. Look at Psalms 37. It says, I was young and now I'm old. And everybody said amen to that, right? I, I was young and now I'm old, and yet I have never seen the righteous forsaken or their children begging bread. They're always generous and lend freely. 
their children will be blessed. Now, here's the deal. The gospel of Jesus Christ and the truth of God's word can be preached in every culture and every place in the world. I can preach this in the most humblest of huts in Ethiopia. I can preach this in the wealthiest of Singapore. I can preach this in, in European countries and in Latin American countries and in Portland, Oregon. I can preach this on the street. I can preach it in the, the palace. I can tell you that the truth is the truth and God will make your life more fruitful if you honor him with the resources that he gives you. There was a man some of you would know, R.G. Letourneau. He was a great inventor. And during the Great Depression of the 30s, where my dad grew up, and they kind of went from meal to meal and wondered if they would have enough money to keep a, he- a roof over their, their heads. Letourneau, God downloaded him with him great ideas on earth-moving equipment that is used even today. And he ended up giving 90% of his income away and living on 10%. Wouldn't that be a great goal? To start giving God 20. Since Joy and I have been married and since we've been in Portland, we give about 20%. I'm not just saying this to be prideful. I'm just telling you. We give about 20% or more of our income away to the work of the Lord. And God has, listen, you can tell I haven't missed a meal. You can tell I still have shoes that are... I'm wearing. You know, God blesses us in other ways. Happiness and joy and opportunity and travel and places that I never even knew existed that we've been able to go. Why? If you were to ask me, it's what my dad said. It pays to tithe. Now, Joy thinks I get carried away because yesterday I pulled into a a shopping area and there was a parking spot right in front. And I pulled in there. I said, see, it pays to tithe. She said, don't get so cocky. All right. (laughs) But I guarantee you, there are moments when my kids have said, Dad, what happened? I said, all I can tell you is it pays to tithe. Laternal, this is what he said. He said, I shovel it out and God shovels it back. But God's got a bigger shovel. <laughs> Amen. Hallelujah. It pays to tithe. I want you to welcome one of my good friends, Anthony Ketzel, to the platform this morning. Will you welcome him? Anthony and Sherry have been part of this church for a long time. We'll find out how long when he gets that microphone and joins me right up here on the hot seat today. I called Anthony and I said, Anthony, has tithing changed your life? And he said, well, it has. How long, how long have you guys been coming to Portland Christian Center? Actually, since 1996. Wow. So wow. we moved here from the East Coast uh, and we were looking for a church home. And I remember when we came in here and we said, we're home. And that was 1996, so 20, I don't know. Sherry told me the number of years, and I'm like, I'm not going to do the math. So, anyhow. <laughs> Anthony, you and Sherry made a decision when you got married about uh, being faithful to God. Tell me a little bit about that conversation. Yeah. You know, as um, our personalities, and I know you know Sherry, and Sherry's a big thinker, uh, and I'm a pretty analytical mind as well. And going into uh, getting married, uh, you know, I was like, okay, we're going to have a budget and we're going to stick to this. And to this day, I have a, the budget that I originally created because I think it's a, it's a thing to look back on and to say, look what God has done. But coming from um, both our backgrounds, we were both uh, taught the concept of tithing. And we came into our marriage and we said, look, we're going to be tithers. We know it's going to be difficult. So we set that budget up from day one, 90%. And we gave the first 10% uh, to God. And, to, and it, it was kind of, I remember us kind of having the conversation to say, okay, are we going to do off the gross or off the net? Okay. Now, what I can tell you is Sherry said, well, which one do we want God to bless? Off the gross or off the net? Yeah, so from day one, we've always done off top line before taxes, before FICA, before everything comes out, that's what we've tithed off of. When you, when you think of your story, uh, Anthony, and uh, making a great decision, by the way, and having a wife who's engaged in that support, I think it's very important, by the way, financially to talk about these things and uh, to uh, agree upon them. And, you know, I've, I've met people who, well, my, my husband doesn't want to tithe. And what do I do, Pastor? I, I, and some of you might be here. You know, I've got my, my spouse doesn't want to give to the Lord. And, and what do I do? And uh, talking that through, 
Uh, but to have someone who says, okay, we're going to agree upon this. So you look back on your life, and the chair that you sit in today, not this one, but the one that you sit in, tell me how you have equated your, the blessing of God that has brought you to this point in relationship to that commitment you made as a couple. Yeah, um, just this morning, you know, sitting here, and, and even from the songs we, we were singing, um, there's really uh, three blessings that I would point to. Number one, obedience. Number two, trust. And number three, faithfulness. Now you're like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. You just talked about blessing and financial. And yeah, I'll give you some practical examples of those three things. Uh, Number one, obedience. Really, you know, when we decided to tithe, we said, okay, we need to be obedient to God. So that was, it was, we had to say, we're going to be obedient to what he has asked us to do. And so that was the first kind of, and it's kind of hard at times. I mean, I remember, you know, we'd look at that budget and we're like, I don't know how we're going to make this, right? Right, right. And, you know, you say, I don't know, but we're going to now go to that second concept of trusting God. He has said, that test, he has said, test me, right. prove me who I am. So we said, okay, we're going to trust him. And the third thing is really as I sat here today and just thinking about the faithfulness of God, and I'm a little older, a little grayer now, um, and I look back and I, and I will tell you, I would not be, you know, the, you talk about the seat I sit in, right? I would not be sitting in the seat that I am in professionally, uh, emotionally, spiritually within my marriage if it wasn't for tithing. Everything goes back to that point and a lot of concepts around that. If I may. You may. Two practical, you know, things. You you talked to one about things lasting longer. And it's a a funny one, actually, because I remember, um, you know, know, I heard my grandmother would often talk about this. She's like, hey, Anthony, this is something, the things of your, that you are rewarded with by God, the things that he gives you that you're responsible for, when you take care of those things, and you tithe, they're going to last longer. I'm like, yeah, 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 right, sure. But that, again, that trusting concept, we would have people come over to do maintenance on, I remember the furnace was, was an interesting, and I don't know why it is, but our furnace would always go out between Christmas and New Year's. <laughs> it was like without fail. Anyhow, I remember one time the furnace goes out, we call the guy to come out, first of all, Good luck trying to get someone to come out during that time because everybody's home celebrating as, you know, they should be, right? Anyhow, a guy comes out and he looks at it and he's like, he comes in to look at the furnace and he's like, man, this thing's really old. And we started laughing and he's like, I can't even get parts for this thing. And, you know, I just said, look, that's that concept of tithing. This furnace has lasted longer because we tithe. Now, you might call me crazy, but I, I beg to differ. Maybe I am crazy, but I'll, I'll, I'll tell you that furnace lasted because of tithing. Yeah. The second one, um, practical thing that I would, would point to is that protection of the crop. And I want to have your crop destroyed, maybe is the word I would use. And I remember a time, and some of you know I'm a big runner. I love to run. Well, running is couple things for me, but one of, those, one of the things that happens during that time is I talk with God. And I remember precisely where I was at when this conversation with God occurred. And I was, at the particular time, I was dealing with a significant piece of business that I was trying to win, you may call. And I remember telling God, God, this is a perfect opportunity. This is an opportunity I've planted, and now you're going to bless this harvest, I know. I'm telling God, right? You know, you, I, you've told me in your word to test you. So this is going to turn out to be a blessing. And fast forward like two, three weeks, didn't get the business. And I'm like, and then now the next round I'm going, I'm like, God, how is this possible that we didn't get this business? You've said to test you. Now, I'll fast forward from that conversation by about, 10 years, believe it or not. So planted that crop. You said, okay, God, I don't know what you, you're doing. It didn't, it didn't happen. 
But reality is God's faithfulness. He kept me from planting a crop that would not have matured. It would have never grown. That business, so the companies that invested in that business, it was not profitable. They got one little piece of business that cost them a lot of money to get that business. It never grew. So, you know, I look back at it now and say, wow. Yeah. yeah. God kept me from getting bad business. Right. You know, in that, right. that concept of, you know, for the business folks, you know, like, okay, there's certain business I get that's more profitable than others. And if you take bad business, that runs you out of business, right? So that, it was, it's just a powerful thing to say, it wasn't always going to come in terms of a bigger, you know, kind of profit or more financial terms. Um, and the, the third one, and I'm sure we're running along on time here, but um, is the faithfulness concept. Yeah. So from a practical standpoint, and I've <laughs> sat on the board, uh, from a practical standpoint, what does the tithe get used for? The tithe get used to keep the lights on. The tithe get used to make sure the carpets are cleaned. The tithe gets used for making sure that you know, the toilets flush and are clean, okay? The tithe also gets used for paying the salaries of our pastors. Now I sit here today and I have a son who's 20 something years old and I look at it and say, God actually took care of my son because my son, you know, I was tithing. My son actually has grown up in the church through the tutelage of all the way from, you know, the little guy, you know, crawling around on the carpet over there to today where he's at. And so the faithfulness of tithing, you say, okay, the concept of that now moving to the next generation, moving to my son, because now I tithe, the pastors were paid, the church was healthy, lights are on, we have a place to come, it's relatively warm and comfortable, right? And you say, okay, that concept of now taking that to now to my son Christopher, how that's blessed, and now that's right on to him, so, you know. What a great uh, reminder of that our faithfulness not only affects right this moment, but carries on to the future as the Ruick family. We've seen that five generations come through this church as a result of that. What uh, you said to me privately and said, I don't want to make a big deal about it, but it stood out in my mind. Here's a guy who uh, finished, what, two years of college? Yep, two years. Two years of college. He's the vice president of a Fortune 500 company making yeah. huge decisions with hundreds of employees. And he, he said to me, that's what tithing has. I look at what I was and where God's taken me. And it's not because I'm the smartest guy in the world. It might be because you got the coolest mustache in the church. But other than that, <laughs> God has honored you and Sherry from a decision you made early on. And it pays to tithe. Absolutely. I mean, I... With the details, right, you, you kind of go, wow, wow. And that's all I can say is wow, and wow to who God is, not who I am, who God is. Anthony, there are people here this morning who are wrestling with the concept of tithing. We've laid it out the best way we know how. Uh, the Holy Spirit has a way of taking that. But it's not about their money, it's about their heart. And I'm going to ask you to lead us in a prayer. And as Anthony's praying this morning... I'm going to invite you to just take whatever you've held back from God and give it to him. If it's, if it's some resource, give it to him. If it's your bankruptcy issues that you're dealing with, financial turmoil, you feel at a loss, give that to God. You say, well, I got myself in a real bind. I owe $120,000 and it's, I don't know where it's going to come from. Start today and give that all to the Lord and start honoring him and you'll have a story and perhaps someday you'll sit here and talk about how God you, brought you out of a pit and put you in a palace. But I'd like Anthony, you to just pray. So let's just take our hands like this as Anthony prays and whatever need you have, most of all, give your heart to Jesus today. Father God, Lord, we just come to you this morning. Lord, and we bow before your throne. Lord, giving you honor, giving you glory for who you are. Lord, it is nothing amongst us or who in us, but it is all you. And Father, this morning with each and every one, we're all 
dealing with the issues we deal with, struggles that we're dealing with. And Lord, this, this concept of tithing, I know that it's, it's a, a lightning rod for many. Lord, but I, I just pray this morning that wherever each and every person is at this morning, Lord, through your Holy Spirit, begin to like touch them even now, Lord Father. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Lord, begin to help them, dear Father, wrap your loving arms around them that they may see the practicality, but also that what the concepts of tithing will bring them through. Lord, dealing with the financial burden, many times we can't get over that. Lord, but I see, have seen in my own life, Lord, those concepts played out time yes, and time and time again. And Lord, if anything, I just pray that you will help, the, help each and every person this morning. Lord, may they see who you are. May they see what you, that you care for them. Lord, it's, it's not about the finance. It's not about the actual money. It's about the care and love that you have for them. And Lord, through this concept of tithing, you teach us so much. You teach yes, us so Lord, much in yes, your word, Lord, dear yes, Father. Lord. But you teach us through practicality mm. through the concept of tithing. And Lord, I pray this morning. Lord, that each and every person release to you this morning that which they're dealing with, that that which is holding them back. I pray right now that the bondage of that be released. May you release those chains in the name of your, of your Father and Son, Jesus, I pray. Release it this morning. Yes, yes. Lord, and may each and every one of us return to you, Lord, in a deeper and more wholesome way, I pray. Lord, bless us this day, I pray, in the Son's precious name, Jesus. Amen. 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 Let's thank Anthony for sharing a little bit of his life with us. Let's, let's stand, shall we? Now, some pastors would say, okay, now it's time for the offering. I'm not going to do that this morning. If you have to give or you want to give, you can do that in the boxes in the lobby. But I want you to let God stir your heart and let's see what God will do. He's going to unleash some things that you haven't realized could happen. And if you're a husband and wife and you got to talk this through, talk it through. But let's together walk this walk. Now, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you, give you peace in your coming and going. When you walk through those doors, may you know that he goes with you. And if God's for us, who can be against us? There are pastors here to pray with you. If you'd like some special prayer, God bless you as you go. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Portland Christian Center podcast. If you'd like to hear more or learn more about us, visit our website at pcctoday.com or join us for our live streams at the 9 or 11 a.m. at live.pcctoday.com.